That's what it means, folks, to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. That every step of your life is a step of worship. Every day of your life is a day of worship. Because every moment you spend on this side of eternity, you realize everything you have is because of the grace and mercy of a blessing Father in heaven. What is worship in today's Christian culture? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. If you've been following along on our broadcast, you know that we're in an intensive study of the life of King David. So what can we learn about worshiping God from the life of King David? On today's message, Pastor Chadwick shines a light on how he worshiped in spirit and in truth. So what we have in these verses, in my opinion, are three different kinds of worshipers. Two, God finds offensive. The third one is the way God wants us to understand worship. The first kind of worshiper is what I'll call Uzzah worship. Uzzah worship. Abinadab is his dad. He is a priest. The word comes to Uzzah and his brother Ahio, bring back the ark. So they put the ark on a cart like it was brought to them from the Philistines. In case you didn't know, the Philistines were the ones who invented the whole cart idea. Wheels and carrying something in a cart was a Philistine invention. So the ark is placed on a cart and started to go back toward Jerusalem. Ahio, one of the brothers, is ahead of the cart, enjoying and celebrating bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. Uzzah's actually on the cart. They hit a hole. The ark starts to wobble. Uzzah sticks his hand out somehow to steady it, and immediately he's struck by God and dead. And some of you cry out, that just doesn't seem fair. Well, let me tell you one thing about fairness. Fairness was lost in the Garden of Eden. Fairness is in the sight of God, too. And here's what you need to understand, folks, as you think that's not fair with Uzzah. God is a holy God. Moses could only appear before him in a cloud. The high priest only after elaborate cleansing. And then no one else could come into his presence without fear of death. The problem with Uzzah and Ahio and his daddy Abinadab is they didn't know and they should have known as priests who had the Torah, the first five books of the Bible available to them, that the ark could only be carried by Levites on poles, not casually placed on a Philistine cart. The problem with Uzzah was he casually touched the ark, and he did not understand from Numbers 4, 15 and other places that the ark should only be carried by Levites, not priests. You know, as I read this story about Uzzah, I'm not so much surprised that Uzzah is dead. I'm more surprised I'm alive. As I think about the ways that I casually worship Almighty God. Now, the purpose of preaching is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. You need to know for the next minutes, I'm going to do the latter. I want to challenge you whether you casually worship the holy God of this universe. What most Americans do is casually worship the Lord God of this universe. Let me ask you some pointed questions How do you spend your hours before you come to corporately worship? 
Do you go see movies or watch television programs that almighty holy God would never want you to watch in the first place? But you use that as what you do before you come into his holy presence right now. Do you casually come in late? Is that a casual attitude toward holy worship of a holy God? Oh, they're just singing. Do you ever come in even early, before the service begins, and spend some time saying, God, cleanse my heart, confessing your sins to an almighty God? And do you leave early? You know, I got to beat the Baptist to the chicken line. You know, I got to get that food before they pick it over. I'm not surprised that Uzzah died. I'm more surprised that I'm alive. In the casual ways that I have gone before God. And moreover, do we worship God on the card of the Philistines? Is the purpose of worship for you to be entertained? Is it for me or somebody else on this platform to make sure that you've had a wonderful experience or you'll start looking for something else? And therefore, churches start looking at the newest, most creative ideas in order to maintain your interest to put butts in the seats. And as a result, we've worshiped God on a Philistine cart. In the ways of the world, not how God wants his people to worship a holy God. That's Uzzah worship. Then there's David worship. David really felt badly about Uzzah's death. In fact, he was ticked off at God. Said to God, I don't like this one bit. But, but he goes back to Jerusalem, and here's the difference between David and all the others. David eventually asked this question, God, what did I do wrong? The reason David's a man after God's own heart is because his heart was sensitive and tender to the things of God. He's always asking the question that I do all the time, Lord, what did I do wrong? Is there some place I missed you? And David goes back and he does read the word of the law. First Chronicles 15.4 tells us that he discovered the Levites were supposed to carry the ark, not the priests. And he realized he had done wrong. So what does he do? He finds out the ark was left after Uzzah's death in the home of Obed-Edom. And the word gets to him is, God's just blessing the socks off Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom's blessed. His family's blessed. His grandkids are blessed. The presence of God was blessing Obed-Edom. Let me tell you something, folks. This holy God is also a God of blessing. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you good gifts. He's a good daddy. That's the nature of Almighty God. He's a blesser. Say it with me. My father is a blesser. He blessed Obed-Edom so much so. I bet you Obed-Edom said, you sure you want to take the ark away? But David does, and, and he goes back, and he lets the Levites carry it. But this is what's so interesting is, is he is the one now leading the parade, not Ohio. David, the king, is leading the parade. And the text tells us that every six steps in bringing the ark back from Obed-Edom into Jerusalem, every six steps he would pause and sacrifice a bull as an offering to his holy God. Every six steps he wanted to make sure his hands were clean and his heart was pure. Every six steps he worshiped. Put the ark down, 
kill a bull, worship God. Okay, six more steps, put the ark down, worship God, kill a bull. You know it took him a long time from Obed-Edom to get to Jerusalem, six steps stopping. But David wanted to make sure he was a true worshiper before a holy, blessing God. He wanted to make sure his hands were clean and his heart was pure. He wanted to make sure he worshiped God God's way, not his way. That's what it means, folks, to be a man or a woman after God's own heart, that every step of your life is a step of worship. Every day of your life is a day of worship. Because every moment you spend on this side of eternity, you realize everything you have is because of the grace and mercy of a blessing Father in heaven. That's how God wants there to be blessing. And during those six steps, David danced, dancing an ephod. Uh, some people have taught through the years that ephod was like a present speedo. No. No, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> the ephod was a priestly garb. It was a priestly garb. It was just a plain robe. And what's cool is David wasn't wearing his kingly garb. He was wearing a simple, plain priestly garb. And that's what ticked off Michael. We'll get to her in just a second. He was dancing wildly before the Lord. Now, can you imagine what that looked like? This king of Israel dancing wildly before the Lord. And, and he didn't care what anybody thought. He didn't care about the opinions of anybody else. He just danced before the Lord, his great God, his holy blessing God. He danced before the Lord, and he could care less what anybody thought because he was dancing to an audience of one. He was just dancing to the Lord. And folks, that's what God wants. Every step, just a free offering of our hearts to him. That's what a true worshiper is. Only desiring to please God. And God alone. Because we're playing as Christians to an audience of one. Not what the world thinks. Now, the final worshiper was Michael. Saul's daughter, King David's wife. Um, she had fallen in love with David. David had killed the Philistines, was able to get her hand in marriage. Now, we don't know what happened between them. But as she watched David dance in the ephod, not in his kingly garbs... She got really ticked off at him. She despised him in her heart. So they get the ark back into the tent in Jerusalem. Everybody is given some meat and some raisin cakes, and they have a celebration, a party, kind of a church picnic, if you will. Then they all go home, and David finally goes back home to Michael. And as he walks in the house, he said, Well, you sure made a fine display of yourself today. There you were dancing in that stupid linen garb as a priest, as the king of all of Israel. Where did that come from, idiot face? And you know what David says to her? God chose me above your daddy. <laughs> I mean, that's what he did. He said, who are you? He said, the Lord God of this universe chose me to be king, not your daddy. Jab, jab. If you want to have a fight, that's a good thing to do, guys, okay? He chose me above you. And all of these women you say that were mocking me, one day they will lift me up as they see me as the king. And then it says, God closed Michael's womb. And she had no more kids. Now, now it could be that there was so much rancor between them that David never slept with her again. 
Or it could be that this kind of caustic, cynical, critical spirit God will not be a part of in anybody's heart, and he closed her womb. We don't know, but she was barren. Here is the Michael worshiper today. As Uzzah was the casual worshiper, Michael is the critical worshiper, and they exist everywhere. They're the people who come in and expect to be entertained They expect to have their attention be kept, but more so, they want things the way they want them to be. And if they're not, they will criticize anything and everything that goes on. Michael worshipers are the ones who, at the end of the service, ask questions like, well, did you like the worship today? Did you like those lights? I didn't. The Michael worshiper, they have roast preacher for lunch. (laughs) Did you like David's message? Didn't touch my heart today. I didn't like it at all. I didn't think it was very good. Didn't touch me whatsoever. I wonder if I'm going to go back next week. And the Michael worshiper thinks it's all about them. And ultimately, not only are they critical worshipers, they're consumers. And it's a huge problem in the American church. Consumer worship, where we feel the pressure up here to put on a show, do Philistine worship so that you'll come in and we can keep you coming and you'll give your money so that we can then look good in the world too because we got a bigger crowd than the church down the street and it all becomes a competitive show and then you come asking the questions, does this meet my needs? Not did how David do. May they ask only one question, how did I do? Was my worship pleasing to you, the holy God of this universe? Are you a Michael worshiper who comes in and critically, cynically evaluates everything that's going on instead of your heart being free to worship? So which one of those are you? Are you a user worshiper, a casual worshiper, come when you can? Are you a Michael worshiper, a critical worshiper, a consumer? Or are you a David a Christ-centered worshiper. I know which one the Lord wants, and that's what he was trying to tell the woman at the well. Back to John 4. He said to her, there will come a day when people worship me in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? Dear friends, the beginning point for loving God is not his love and grace. The beginning point for loving God is his holiness. The holy God of this universe is without sin. You cannot come into his presence with sin. If you do, he will reject you. He will send you to eternity separated from him. It's not because he wants to. It's because he has to. If my body is perfectly healthy and it is invaded by an unhealthy germ, my healthy body, by its nature, must reject unhealth, either by mouth or other places. Get the picture? My healthy body must. God in his perfect holiness, in his health, must reject unhealth. If you try to come into his presence without your sins having been forgiven, he must reject you. But God so loved the world in his holiness, he came to us in Jesus, lived a life we could not live for ourselves, died on the cross to absorb our sin upon himself so that if we receive him, we are born again. 
born of the Spirit, His very presence living inside of us, His Holy Spirit living inside of us. There'll come a day, Jesus said to the woman, when people will worship me in spirit because the Holy Spirit will live inside their hearts. They're not bound to Mount Gerizim or Jerusalem. They can worship me any place, any time, any way. So that means that if you're driving down the car and you're praising God during your week, you're worshiping him. If you go serve a homeless child, you're worshiping him. If you wash the dishes, you're worshiping him. If you're changing a dirty diaper, you're worshiping him. Worship's not limited to a place. It's a lifestyle because the Holy Spirit lives in us. We're always in connection with the holy God of the universe through Jesus. But we also worship in truth. What does that mean? Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them, Lord, make them holy. Sanctify them, a prayer for us. Make them holy by your word. Your word is true. Dear friends, if you are a worshiper of God like David and like Jesus wants us to be, you realize there's truth. And God wants us to be seekers of truth. And it's found in his word. God has an opinion about what marriage is. God has an opinion about what life is. God has an opinion on how your marriages should operate. He has an opinion on how you should live your lives as a single. He has an idea on how you should live your lives in accordance with every issue that is in the world, and it's found through his word. So if his spirit lives within you, and you are like David, every day saying, Lord, I want your truth. Ah, Not the priests, but the Levites. I want your truth. I'll go to your word and find truth. And God conforms you, not by your opinion or the opinions of this culture. He forms you by the opinion of his word. Then you become a worshiper in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus meant. A true worshiper is one who takes every step every day asking the question, what is your will, O God? And the spiritual skeptics and the seekers who come here all the time trying to seek truth, when they see the true worshiper, the King David's, the Jesus worshipers, worshiping in spirit and in truth, many of them say, I want what you've got. That's God's heart of worship. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with a Davidism about wisdom from the ages. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp holding a sign that said, hungry, will work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, 
high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for being with us. Great being with you, Jen. Well, today's Davidism is called, Is Life Hills and Valleys or Train Tracks? (laughs) Something tells me there's a lot of wisdom in this one. Well, it's an interesting perspective on life, Jen, and it's one that I have come to realize over the years. A lot of people think that life is hills and valleys, and Mm -hmm. by that I mean that there's some days you're on top of the hill, it's joyful, everything's working well, and then other days you're in the valley, despondent, discouraged, depressed. And what I've learned in life, most of the time, life is not hills and valleys. Some days great, some days bad. Life is more like train tracks, that you have great joy and great sorrow going alongside one another during the very same day. You might have a great joy in life of something that is incredible that's happening to you, and right during that same time period, a grief over something that is lost. And I think if people could realize this, when they go through through the tough times in the middle of a day when everything had been going great, they're not surprised by it, that that's life. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, rejoice in your tribulations. That word rejoice means jump up and down, turn around, (laughs) a, a real expression of joyous life. But he said to rejoice in that way amidst your tribulations. So doesn't he suggest that very truth that life is more like train tracks? You have joy and tribulations simultaneously at the same moment. And again, the purpose of this teaching is for all of our listeners to realize that if you're having a good day, and suddenly something bad happens, don't be surprised by that. Again, life is mostly train tracks, not hills and valleys. Mm. That's so good. This reminds me, I recently heard Andrew Brunson speak, and he was imprisoned in Turkey for his faith just a couple of years ago. And he was in a, what some people call a dark night of the soul. And he did not feel God's tangible presence and these scriptures that he held in his heart with his faith. But he realized I can physically dance even though I don't feel like it. Like joy is accessible because I believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so he literally went out in the courtyard in front of the other prisoners and made himself dance. And so he began to experience joy in the midst of his tribulation. A great illustration. Thank you for sharing that, Jen. It also reminds me of Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, when he said, the purpose of life in Christ is to know the power of his resurrection. All of us are going, yay, I want to know the power of his resurrection, victory over all kinds of problems in life. And then he turns around and says, and also to share in his sufferings. Mm. You can't really know the power of the resurrection without first going through the cross. Mm -hmm. And I think daily we have those same experiences. We know the power of Jesus' resurrection. We live in joy. We also share in his sufferings as we live in a very broken world, looking at all the pain that's around us, the pain that's in us. But again, if you can begin to accept the reality that during the same 24-hour day, you're going to have joy but also problems, Mm -hmm. 
train tracks simultaneously next to one another, life will make some more sense and you won't be surprised with the pain that does come to you. That's really good. I like the way you say life will make more sense. It really does. It helps us to be present with what's in front of us. Thank you. Yeah, and to live in the moment and understand what Jesus is trying to teach us amidst this day when both joy and sadness are in our lives. So good. Thank you so much, David. And thank you, Jen. Thank you, listeners. Please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe to these daily Moments of Hope from my heart to yours free of charge to help you begin each day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. While you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also, check out David's weekly HopeCast. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston. Have a great weekend.